Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jana Panaritis, and you're listening to the AgeWise podcast, where we give you strategies for aging well and wisely. And how do you do that when on top of struggling to meet the demands of your own life, you're also caring for an aging parent or a spouse, or maybe you're caring for another member of your family? Well, we're here to help. Each week, we'll hear from the experts, professionals in the field of aging, and people like you, unsung heroes rising to the occasion of caring for a loved one and finding unexpected rewards along the way. So stick around for some straight talk on aging in all its unpredictable glory. MJ Campbell is a registered nurse, and she's the director of nursing at Right Choice Home Healthcare in Canton, Michigan. Right Choice works with patients, their families, and their physicians to develop comprehensive programs that promote patient recovery, well-being, independence, and knowledge of self-care from the comfort of their homes. MJ is also a caregiver to two parents who have very different needs, and she's here to share her story with us. MJ Campbell, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and uh, your family life. I grew up on the East Coast from Vermont to Virginia. My dad was a pastor for 37 years, and he was in different congregations in different states. So that was the reason for our moving. I was born in Arlington, Massachusetts. And first town I really remember living in was Connecticut. But I lived in Vermont, Connecticut, Richmond, Virginia, Arlington, Virginia, Prospect Park, New Jersey, and then New York, and I went to college my first two years at Houghton College in western New York State and graduated from nursing school at Columbia University in New York City, and then I got married, moved to Pennsylvania, and I worked in Pennsylvania for a few years. My husband went to grad school at Penn State, and then we moved to Michigan, been in Michigan since 1985. My husband went to work for General Motors. He was there five years and went to Ford, and we've been with Ford ever since. I see. And as you were speaking about your dad being a pastor and moving around, it struck me that being a pastor's daughter is a little bit like being a military brat. Is that an apt comparison? Yes. You get very good at being adjustable. Change doesn't bother me in the least, and I enjoy change, which is part of the reason I enjoy the job I'm doing right now is because no two days are ever the same. Mm -hmm. You have a set set of things that you have to get done, but there's always something different that gets thrown at you almost every day. So it's, it's very interesting work. It's challenging and always learning, no matter how long you're in home care. Mm-hmm. They keep changing it up from the government, and therefore you get to adjust and make right. changes in home care as well. Mm-hmm. So you did your studies in nursing at Columbia, and then yeah. when you when you got to Michigan, what sort of work were you doing uh, as a registered nurse? I started originally in home care, but then I got pregnant and wanted to stay home with my daughter. I stayed home for 18 months, and then I went back part-time in the hospitals. I was working in telemetry and intensive care units. I worked at the medical float pool at St. Joe's Hospital in Ann Arbor for about five, six years, Mm -hmm. and that was medical, it was rehab, it was telemetry, it was all sorts of very different floors that I would fill in staffing holes for, and that allowed me to work part-time and be home most of the time with my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I got hooked up with urgent care, which was also part of St. Joe's Hospital, Really fell in love with that, wanted a place to settle down and stay. So I was 15 years at urgent care. Meanwhile, while I was there, I was working a second job at times with the first interactive health museum in the state of Michigan. It was called the Health Exploration Station. 
And that's where I learned to teach. I learned how to teach interactively. It was programs on health and wellness for children. It was school field trips that they would come to our museum. And then they would have time at the hands-on interactive museum. It was great fun. Oh, that sounds so really great. I did that great. for a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. And then a friend of mine offered me a business. And she said, you got to buy my business. I'm like, I don't know anything about business. She said, ah, oh, take a course at the local community college. You'll be fine. <laughs> well, it was an education business. It was teaching CPR, first aid, AED training, and babysitting classes. So I ended up leaving urgent care, starting out on my own. And for about seven years, I had my own business. I was doing really well. I had contracts with Ford, with uh, General Motors, Chrysler. I had uh, doctor's dentist office school districts that I would do the teachers every year, and I would also teach in community education about nine different districts. I had probably eight or nine ladies that were working with me mm-hmm. um, part-time because they were full-time moms and mm-hmm. they just wanted a, a class here and there. Mm-hmm. And then I also did um, food shop management for a business company that I had worked with when I was in urgent care. It was called Business Health Services, and they had clients that they needed CPR, first aid, AED training, and then they also offered flu shots. So I managed the flu shots for them to the tune of about 2,600 shots. Oh, my gosh. So it was interesting. That's a lot. Yep. And then the economy hit in 2007, and I lost lost my company. And I'm like, I need a regular paycheck. Yeah. So a friend of mine offered to employ me in home care, and I worked for them for seven years and grew quite a lot in my knowledge of home care and, and my passion for taking care of seniors in their homes. So I was with them for seven years, and then there was a bunch of reorganizations, and I lost my job. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I ended up coming to work for Right Choice Home Health Care, and there I've been about, let's see, nine months there. Okay. I did want to go back for a minute and have you explain to the listeners what telemetry is. Oh, telemetry is a portable heart monitor. Um, it allows the patient to get up and move. They don't have to remain in bed. And it's a box that has three wires that are attached to leads to the chest. Uh-huh. And it allows the medical professionals to monitor the heart rhythm and rate. And it allows them more flexibility to be able to be up and be moving around. I see. So it's kind of like a step down from intensive care unit. Uh-huh. It's more technically savvy than a regular medical floor would be kind of middle of the road as far as technicality goes. Mm -hmm. And can you expand a little bit on the mission and philosophy behind Right Choice? Yes. um, Home care, the whole idea of home care is that when folks come home from the hospital, and we focus primarily on seniors, there's other programs that focus on children or maternity or whatever, but we focus on seniors that come home from the hospital or we get referrals from doctor's offices that patients need assistance. They need nurses to keep eyes on them, mm-hmm. to help them monitor their medications, to educate about disease process, to um, increase compliance with whatever medical treatments is going on. We do wound care. We do fully calf care in the home. We do um, trait care. We do IV antibiotics. Many times people come home and they have an IV that's put in their arm that goes in centrally to a central location, mm-hmm. and therefore they can do really strong IV antibiotics at home in the comfort of their home. The nurse goes out to checks on them, teaches them how to, how to do it in their home, and then changes the dressing because that's a sterile dressing. That's kind of a high-tech 
skills, so we do those dressing changes weekly in the home. Mm-hmm. And then monitoring their blood results, we do lab draws once a week as well to make sure that their kidney function is fine and their, their liver is working great and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, the whole principle behind home care is encouraging folks to be able to stay in their home. We offer skilled nursing, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, home health aid, which is more for personal care, not skilled care, and a dietitian and social worker, medical social worker. Mm-hmm. So different areas hmm. work together as a team hmm. to cover the needs of the seniors in their homes. Mm-hmm. It's very specific because it's not really a home health care agency in terms of the traditional definition, nor is it a registry. It sound, it's a very specific way of you, you've organized, and it's almost like having doctors on call or uh, uh, ho- making house calls, <laughs> uh, it sounds like. Well, there, we do work with physicians that make house calls. Uh-huh. There are a group of physicians that do make house calls. But, yes, we are the eyes and the ears for the physicians in the home uh-huh. when they're not there. So physical therapists, physical therapists work with lower extremity strength, with balance, with their gait, with uh, pain control, and then occupational therapy works with the dressing, the bathing, the fine motor movements. They work with sequencing in stroke patients that have had strokes. Mm -hmm. Uh, They work with um, caregivers as well to help teach them how to move a patient in the home, how to prevent pressure ulcers, how to transfer someone without hurting yourself. So many, many times we involve the families that are in the home as well as the patient so that everybody's on the same page and and doing the same thing towards getting the patient healthier and better. Mm -hmm. Do you have a core staff of experts that go out into the field and and rotate around a number of different client homes? Yes. We have nursing the different therapists, like I said, mm-hmm. um, the social worker, which helps to connect people with community resources, um, help them make application for different insurance or chore provider services. They also do financial assessments, and they also do assessments to help people with their advanced directives, which are when you uh, choose to make known your wishes for your end-of-life decisions. Mm -hmm. You can designate a power of attorney, a health power of attorney, just to make medical decisions for you. You can also choose to make a living will, which Mm -hmm. is a whole other area, and many people are not aware of that. But if they're given the information, the opportunity to to develop that, then it allows all caregivers across the board to honor their requests should they choose not to take extraordinary measures at their end-of-life time. Mm -hmm. I think it's really a fascinating model for care in the home because my experience uh, of in-home care has only been working with uh, home health care agencies which provide home health aides, and also with a registry, which just is, again, these aren't, these are people who provide a really valuable service, but they only have a... They're non-skilled. They're not skilled, exactly. Exactly. And Uh they do provide a tremendous service. The chore providers and the home health aides are a real blessing, but they are non-skilled, and that's the difference. Uh Again, all of our orders are are ordered by physician. We don't do any care in the home without a physician's order, Uh and it's usually directed by the primary care physician or one of the specialists. 
So all of our care is directed and under the doctor's orders. And they provide these skilled people, or you have a staff of people that so got our it. company is our staff. Yep. Got it. Some of them are are direct employees, and others are contracted staff. Mm-hmm. I like this model a lot. It's because people want to stay in their homes, and that's the trend now. Yes. The whole idea behind the insurances, especially with Medicare, is cost-saving measures. And one of the cost-saving measures that they've identified is reducing the re-hospitalization rate. And one of the ways that you can do that is to get a nurse out 24 to 48 hours after they come home from the hospital, make sure their medications are reconciled with the hospital list, what the patient has in the home, and what the doctors are where the patient's taking that. Number one, that everybody's on the same page. Number two, that the patient has the medications. And number three, that they're taking them and taking them appropriately. Mm -hmm. We had one patient that was not taking her diabetic medications and not taking her blood pressure medications and went right back to the hospital and had some serious consequences. So Mm -hmm. the whole idea is to keep people out of the hospital by teaching them, giving them control over the disease process, control that they can have, things that they can do to control it so that they can stay in their home and not go back to the house. Mm-hmm. And I should think that there are varying degrees to which some people might need a caregiver to come in a few days yeah. a week, and some people can do it on their own. And so there's a wide sort of spectrum of patients there. Yes. It could be as simple as education with a nurse, or it could be as complex as someone after having a stroke that would need nursing to manage the medications and the disease process, you would have physical therapy to help with mobility and, and the gaining the ability to walk again. You would have OT that would help with dressing and bathing and sequencing. What's and sequencing? Have speech. Sequencing is so basic, but many times after a stroke, people lose the ability to sequence. When you want to go and make a peanut butter jelly sandwich, you know you have to get the bread. You mm-hmm. have to get the peanut butter, right. you have to get the jelly, you have to get the knife. Mm-hmm. You have to actually take the peanut butter and pull it on the bread. When mm-hmm. you're all done, you cut it and you eat it. Mm-hmm. That's the process. When you lose the ability to sequence, you don't even think about getting the peanut butter. And that's where some of the, the training that occupational therapy can do can help with restoring the ability to sequence appropriately. It might be after a head injury, mm-hmm. might be after a stroke, it might be after... Um, a severe um, bacterial infection that really took somebody for a loop, you can lose those kind of qualities, and, and that helps to restore as much quality of life as is possible. Do you work with dementia patients at all? Because that, of course, is also an issue with dementia patients, right? Sequencing? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh-huh. We work uh-huh. with dementia patients as well. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So who pays for that? Mostly the insurance does. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, if a patient thinks that they need more services and the insurance won't pay for it, they are offered the option to pay out of pocket. So that is available. But primarily the insurance is covered. Like I said, it's the most economical way to take care of a patient Mm -hmm. um, and is the only area in all of medicine that has decreased its cost in the last 40 years. It costs less to take care of a patient in their home now than it did 40 years ago. Wow. I guess I shouldn't be surprised by that with the rising costs of hospital care. Now, what what drew you to this profession? You've been in it for a long time. Um, I love to help people. I love to make people better, and I loved biological sciences 
Uh-huh. <laughs> drawn to it immediately in college. I I love the psychology. I got a major in psych or a minor in psych. Uh-huh. So um, just people in general just really fascinate me. Uh-huh. Cool. So let's talk about your parents and their health. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on with them? Well, my parents had done very, very well. They moved up to Michigan here in about 87, more like 90. So they moved out. They retired and moved out here so that we make the culture. I was the only one at the time that had kids. And my brother lived in Georgia and my other brother lived in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So it was just natural that they gravitated toward their grandkids. I just happened to be the one to have them first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my brother eventually from Georgia came up to Michigan, so they had all their grandkids together. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. That was nice. Mom and Dad's health, they have been really quite good. Um, my dad had no health issues until after he retired, and he had a quick surgery for prostate, and then uh, a few months later he had to have a hip replaced, and then they moved out here. And three years after that first hip was replaced, he had to have it re-replaced because oh. the glue kind of fell apart. This time they did a total hip replacement, and that uh-huh. one has lasted over 20 years. So uh-huh. that's kind of cool. My mom was, was great until about three years ago. She had an undiagnosed urinary tract infection, oh. and it caused her to have uh, Incidence of sepsis, which is where the infection gets into the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Her blood chemistries were completely off. Mm-hmm. She ended up passing out. Oh. <clears throat> I believe she had like a seizure or hit her head on the way oh. down and was out for quite some time. Oh. And she's never been the same since. Suffered short-term memory deficit, uh, weakness, lack of sequencing, all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff like that. So mom's currently in assisted living. Um, we moved her there in April because my dad was caring for her in their apartment. They were an apartment in senior independent living. Mm-hmm. And it was just getting to be too much for him. I could see the wear and tear on him was getting to be way too much. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, my brother, Kevin, mm-hmm. had the wisdom to purchase a long-term care insurance policy for my mom probably 10 years earlier. That eventually kicked in, and that's what's covering the cost for her care at this time, for which mm. I'm extremely grateful. Oh, yeah, because that um, can add so up. She has 24-hour care. Is it dementia care that she's in? Not specifically, because really she doesn't have Alzheimer's. Right. She has the short-term memory deficit. She has some lack of sequencing. But other than that, she's really pretty sharp at times. Uh-huh. She sleeps a lot, which uh-huh. is part of the aging dementia. Uh-huh. She sleeps maybe up to 20 hours a day. So that was frustrating my dad because she wouldn't get up to eat. And, you know, he was, he's always been very responsible for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so his frustration was not doing what he knows she needed to do. She right. became diabetic as well. So he was concerned that she wasn't eating and she had to take her meds and stuff. So it has worked out fine. He's across the street in a different building. Uh-huh. So he now um, has a motorized wheelchair that he can take back and forth between the buildings. So he goes every day to see her and sits with her and, and keeps her company and usually has a meal with her once or twice a week or maybe more often, whatever. Um, uh-huh. But so they're on the same the campus. Senior, they're on the same campus, yeah. mm-hmm. So other than that, they're doing okay. My dad's mobility has become a major issue. His other hip now has decided to disintegrate in the last year. So he's mm. not able... He had been up until just really six months ago. He'd been independent. You know, I had somebody come in to help him put compression stockings on in the morning. Mm-hmm. But he was independent. Other than that, at 91, it was great. <laughs> he's 91 now? He would get... 
Yeah, he's 91 and a half, yep. And how old is your mom? 83. Your mom is 83. 83. Mm -hmm. Okay. Big gap there in the age. Not unusual for that generation, though, right? That happens. Yeah. 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 Well, my dad was in the the Merchant Marines. Uh He was in World War II. Mm -hmm. And he didn't meet my mom until he came home and and stopped sailing. Mm -hmm. And then he met my mom. So that's part of the reason. They met at a Christian camp, Mm -hmm. uh, summer camp. That was part of the reason for the difference in the age. She was kind of fresh out of high school. I think she went to secretarial school for a year, and he had already gotten some of his college education under his belt, so mm-hmm. it was a bit of an age difference. So when did he retire from the priesthood? Let's see. Probably around 83, oh, look. So that was about like that. 30 years ago, so in his early 60s. Yeah, I don't remember exactly, but I know Uh he then worked for a government agency called Green Thumb that helped to put seniors in temporary positions with companies in hopes that those companies would, in time, hire those seniors. Uh So that was a government-sponsored program that he worked for them for a number of years. He was an area supervisor in Pennsylvania for that. Uh-huh. And then he finally retired, retired, and moved out here to Michigan. Mm-hmm. So how often do you see your parents, and what is your involvement with their care <laughs> needs, if at all? <laughs> the the $84,000 question. every day. I'm sorry? Every day by phone. You t- okay, you I'm talk with them every day. I'm in contact every day by phone. Mm-hmm. And down there three to four days a week after work. Sometimes it's weekends. And as far as dad goes, my bro- my older brother and I now switch off every night, helping him get compression stockings off and get ready for bed because his mobility has got so bad. So between the two of us, we're there every night. Every my night? Mom, I see at least three or four. Yeah, every mm-hmm. night. That's a lot. Yep. That's a big commitment. The alternative is to put him in a skilled nursing facility, uh-huh. and the cost of that is uh-huh. almost prohibitive. Uh-huh. Sure, because what uh, you're doing is something that would typically be done in a skilled nursing facility, right? Yes. And he's and an independent. It costs $5,000 a month. Right. Easy. Right. Five to seven mm-hmm. if you go to a nice place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um... Mm-hmm. That's that's a strain, we though. Try to keep him independent as long as possible. Yeah, <laughs> with as much support. He uh-huh. does have a VA um, home health aide that comes in three days a week, and then we have another lady that's just a private caregiver that comes in three days a week, and then I'm there on Sundays every Sunday. So, uh huh. Um, it makes it's working right now. We'll just see what happens. Mm-hmm. So you and your older brother are kind of tag teaming. It sounds like yes, and. Yes. That's really great that you're both equally involved. It sounds like you're both equally involved. I'm sure that's not often the case in families. There is usually just one person pulling the load, and that's nice that you have a brother who's, is he consistently helping out? Well, that's been a recent development. Okay. That's been a recent development. I have been the primary caregiver, and am designated as their power of attorney. I'm the one that liaisons with their doctors and makes sure they get their appointments done. I took a week off of vacation last summer when Dad had cataract surgery, and I was there every day. So primarily, I'm the caregiver. I'm the one that's in charge. I'm the one that they call. Mm-hmm. And my brother's been able to help. He lost his job in September here, so mm-hmm. he's available more now to help. Was he not helping out before because he just didn't have time? What was the breaking point for you, or the turning point, I should say. Just, there was more than I could possibly do, and I said, you have to help me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't do it. I have a husband that is so kind and willing to support my parents for years. I mean, we, we 
had a house for them. Mm-hmm. We supported them. Once they moved to Michigan, my dad had no retirement. Mm-hmm. So all they had was Social Security. So mm-hmm. we provided a home for them. Mm-hmm. And my younger brother and I have supported to pay for their apartment now in the senior living for the last nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin has provided some financial support out the wazoo. Kevin's your younger uh, brother. Um, yeah. So between Kevin and I, we've been doing the financial part. Steve did some support with a car, and now he's actually doing some hands-on support, which has been very, very helpful. He took Dad to two different doctor's appointments last week and one this next week. So mm-hmm. that helps, and I don't have to take off work to do that. Cause right. Because sometimes gets itchy if you have to take off work for parents. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so how so how is Steve handling all this and how has he reacted to this? It's a real big change when someone, you know, a child has to get involved in their parents' care. As far as I know, he's fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, has I he really t- talked with know. you about it? I haven't heard a whole lot uh-huh. negative. He's talked with you about your parents' condition. Has he been enlightened, so no. to speak? Uh huh. No, he's just Not doing really. his. He's just doing his duty. Okay, he's, but yeah. he's showing up. Oh yeah, he's showing up. Absolutely, okay. that's good. Up. Yep, that's good. Yep. And do you feel better about the it's, situation? It's a band aid. Uh huh. It's a band aid. Uh huh. Um, I wish I had about a week to do more research to figure out. I would love to find a place to get the two of them back in the same room. They've been married over sixty years, and to be apart has been very difficult. Yes, I should the imagine. separation was almost unbearable, um, and it still is. Sure. You know, my mom says, I miss Dad. I miss I miss being with him. I want to go home. I'm like, Mom, you can't. <laughs> so that tears at your heart because I don't have a solution. I, I wish I had a solution where I could afford both of them to be in the same room with 24-hour care. If I could do that, I would. Uh-huh. And they've been separated so. since April of this year? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> that must have been yep. really hard for you to witness the separation. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Because mm-hmm. I took the brunt of it when mom was very, very, very angry. She didn't understand why. She, she had fallen three times mm-hmm. in the apartment. Mm-hmm. And my dad was not physically capable of getting her up. Mm-hmm. And it got to the, the point where I didn't have a choice. I had to move her. Mm-hmm. I had to have somebody there 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And it killed me. Mm-hmm. Because she, for the first two or three months, would just sob. Why can't I go home? I want to go home. I no. just want to go home. I'll be good. I'll I'll do whatever. I'm like, Mom, <laughs> her perception of reality is not reality. Well, I'm taking care of myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Getting three meals a day, and they're coming in and showering you and helping you get dressed and get ready for yeah, you're taking care of yourself. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Listen, that rings familiar sleep. to me. My mom's 86, and she's so, in. Yeah, that rings familiar. <laughs> that part was very hard. Uh-huh. And the good news is one of the um, the nurse practitioners, we had some discussion, and, and they were able to institute a medication that helped even out mom's temperament, and that has been a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, she felt like maybe she was really depressed, and I'm like, yeah, I'm sure she is. Mm-hmm. I would be too. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. has helped to even out to the point that I have not taken my mom past where she used to live for fear that she would become really upset. Mm-hmm. Like if I take them out, I always pick up my dad first, mm-hmm. and then I go get my mom. He's in the car. Mm-hmm. She has. I would never drop him off first and then drop her off. Just wouldn't happen. Oh, that's really sensitive so. of you, though. And the whole idea is to try and provide dignity for my parents. That's mm-hmm. that's my goal in life: is to meet their physical needs 
meet their emotional needs, but to provide them dignity, to, mm-hmm. to enable them to live the, the lives that they were meant to live, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I just could not handle the thought of them being squirreled away somewhere, ignored, no contact. I see so many people that are that way, and it breaks your heart. Absolutely. I agree. I agree 100%. I suppose it crossed your mind to have them move in with you, but that would be a big change for you. Um, my house is not handicapped friendly. I, I have thought about it. I've thought about converting my garage, but I would have to be home 24-7. Mm-hmm. And I just can't do that financially right now. I can't do that. Well, you'd have to have 24-7 care, which is Correct. also very expensive. Yeah, there's no easy solution, is there? <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. So how are you going to do over the holidays? Do you have stresses that come up? or I know you have things to be thankful for, but this is going to be a new holiday for you because it's the first time your parents have been apart, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, they're apart, but I will go and get them, and they will they will come to my house great. for Christmas. That's great. And, and I did the same thing at Thanksgiving. I, I actually brought them out. My older daughter and husband came in before Thanksgiving, so we had them, my mom and dad out for dinner. Uh-huh. And then Thanksgiving Day, I think we had like 16 people or something. It was a great gathering, mm-hmm. and the guys helped carry Dad in his wheelchair up the steps into my house. So sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Mom, mm-hmm. and they stayed on the main Mm-hmm. It's pretty much to the point where you just you park them, right? We I do the same with my mom. We transport yep, her and then she, we park the her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've got recliner chairs where they can get their feet up because that's important. Otherwise, they get swelling in their feet. Uh huh. Just make it do. Boy, they're lucky to have you. You you know all the ins and outs as a registered nurse. You've probably seen it all. Yep. That's really cool. Yep. What do you do to take care of yourself and to get respite and relaxation? Uh, not enough. Mm-hmm. What <laughs> would you like to go to the gym? <laughs> uh huh. What would you like to do more of? Have you gone to the spa lately? Um, I do go get my hair done. Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> I refuse to give in to the gray, so I go and get my hair done. Okay. Um, probably every other month or something like that. And, okay. And I go to church quite a bit. I uh-huh. I get rejuvenated at church. I go to Bible study, and uh-huh. um, my spiritual life is very important to me. And and I believe that God gives me the strength. And the wherewithal to do what I need to do, because it's crazy. Uh-huh. It's crazy. <laughs> so, so faith plays <laughs> a, a big role in your life. Absolutely. And that's my main motivation. When I get to heaven, I want to hear, well done, good and perfect. <laughs> that's what I want to hear. I think you've probably already, you don't, you're not even going to stop at the gates. I <laughs> think they're going to let you in uh, without even asking. <laughs> have some sort of an outlet, whether it's, uh, you know, a spiritual outlet. It's very important to put it all in perspective. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of composure to approach this job, as it were, mm-hmm. with with calmness. And it's not easy mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I've lost patience with my mom, but I absolutely feel like it is a higher calling. It's It really does change you. It yeah. does. It, mm-hmm. it, it allows you to get outside of yourself to think of someone else before mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And and many times I do that. It's not convenient, but you know what? It's worth it. Every time I go and I think I'm just going to be there for 20 minutes and I'm there for two hours, <laughs> it's time invested. Yeah. It's time that is meeting a need. And so many times it's not that much doing stuff. It's just sitting, listening, uh-huh. listening to their day, listening to their thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, listening to whatever they want to talk about. One day we we sat down and wrote down Dad's history when he went to 
high school and which colleges he went to and what he did in the war and what his ranking was because I didn't know all those details. So uh-huh. That was kind of fun. Yeah. Has this made you think about your own long-term care and what your own wishes are? We're starting to talk about it. So uh-huh. I'd like to downsize. You know, I don't need this big a house. I have a four-bedroom house. Um, but maybe go on someplace warmer. I, I don't enjoy the winters as much anymore. <laughs> I would like to go someplace that actually has spring mm-hmm. and a whole lot more sunshine. <laughs> That's the one thing about Michigan where we are. We don't get a lot of sunshine in the wintertime. Uh-huh. And how how have your kids uh, handled your your parents' changing health needs? <clears throat> Do they visit? They've always as far as my kids go, their grandparents have always been around. We used to have Keith's mom come out. His dad passed um, probably 10 or 12 years ago, and his mom would come out and stay with us for a month at a time. So sometimes we would have his mom stay with us. She's had a stroke now out in Kansas, and so she's in a nursing home where his twin sister is. Mm-hmm. So his twin and her two girls and their family are there every day to see Grandma. But my kids are used to having a grandparent around Mm -hmm. and involved. Mm -hmm. My dad was my babysitter when I was working Mm part-time. So the kids would come home from school and Best Buy would be there. And then he would be there until Keith got home from work. So they were always involved in their activities in school, in marching band, in uh, fife and drum corps, in all sorts of stuff. Um, Graduations. You know, weddings, the whole nine yards, they've always been involved in my kids' lives. Mm -hmm. So they have brought just as much as has been required to be given to them through our lives. It's definitely enriched my kids' lives. It's Mm -hmm. given them the ability to talk to seniors comfortably. Do they visit your, your parents? Yep, every time they come in. Usually holidays or special occasions or when they're in to visit or whatever will we'll include my folks in uh-huh. just about everything. Uh-huh. So, you know, Thanksgiving they were included and, and now Christmas time will be included as well. And and you said your husband, talk about his parents? His dad passed. So his mom is still living and she lives in a nursing home out in Kansas. So his twin sister and her family is out in Garden City, Kansas. And grandma went to visit and she had a pretty decent stroke while she was out there. So she's unable to travel anymore. Uh-huh. Um, I believe it was last year, Thanksgiving, Keith and I went out and spent three or four days with his sister and went to see Grandma uh-huh. each day at the at the nursing home. And uh-huh. She's a sweet lady. She's uh-huh. a wonderful lady. <laughs> she's uh-huh. 94. 94? Yeah, she's going to be 95 February. Wow. Good so. for her. So I want to ask, I want to give you an opportunity to tell the listeners about where they can learn more about Right Choice Home Health Care and that that work, because I think it's a great uh, model for care. There's tons of home health agencies in across the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, one place they can go for Right Choice is their website, which is www.rightchoice.com hhc.com and that's right r-i-t-e not r-i-g-h-t mm-hmm. okay <laughs> my boss spelled it differently um so that's where they can learn about our home health care agency and another place they can go is um if they put in their search engine home health compare uh-huh. they can put in their area code and they can actually find out other home care agencies that provide services in their geographical area Home, home Health, health Compare, Compare is uh-huh. a government-sponsored website that compares one home health care agency to another. Oh, okay. So 
several different markers that kind of like you can uh, look at the ratings for hospitals or for nursing homes. Mm-hmm. You can also do that for home health care agents. Mm-hmm. Just came out with a star rating, and uh, our current star rating is three stars out of five. So uh-huh. we're working towards that five-star rating. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Is there any other advice you can give people who are looking for aid in general when they're faced with this sudden need? For their parents? Yeah. When I was looking for an apartment for my parents, when I moved them from the house to the senior living apartment, the Area Agency on Aging is a great organization to find out resources where you can go to start looking. I strongly advise that people actually go and visit sites. Similar to a child uh, making an election for college, Mm -hmm. it's a whole different game to look at at a college online, but when you actually go and visit a campus, you get a feel for what it is. There were several senior living complexes that I visited prior to choosing the one where my folks are at, and they did not have the same sense of community. Uh, Some were cold. Mm -hmm. Some were extremely affluent that I felt my parents would not be comfortable in. Mm-hmm. Others were just, it just wasn't the right environment. So um, start with the Area Agency on Aging. You can get information from any social worker in the hospital setting. Mm-hmm. They are a resource. Mm-hmm. Also, physicians should be aware of home health care agencies. Um, you just really need to do a little bit of homework to figure out if, if somebody needs care or whatever. Not all home health agencies are legitimate. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you right now, anybody that offers to pay you for care, run. <laughs> mm-hmm. Offers to pay <laughs> you for care. That's part of the Medicare fraud that's going on that they're trying really hard to weed out. Good Is that widespread? It. Yes. I just had a patient this last week, believe it or not, that called and said, um, if you'll pay me $500, I'll stay with your company. But there's another company that wants me to go with them that's going to pay me 750 And I said, goodbye. That was a patient? Yeah, that was a patient. Who called you? (laughs) Yeah, he called the office and that's what he told us. No lie. (laughs) This was a patient that had been on service with us for almost 60 days. We had been caring for a wound for him. Yes. Uh And he called and said, I've been talking to folks and uh, you guys need to pay me 500 bucks to continue care with you. And I said, I'm sorry, that's fraud. We don't participate in that at all. And uh, I'm disappointed that you would want to go with a home care agency that did. (laughs) So I said, good luck. And I called his physician and I said, we're discharging of care as of today, and this is the reason why. And he said, good for you. Well, to make a long story short, the patient actually called back 10 days later, Mm -hmm. a different doctor, Mm -hmm. different uh, wound care center, and asked us to come back and see him. And I said, you do realize we will not pay you money for this care. He said, Mm -hmm. absolutely, forget it, forget it, forget I ever said it. I said, okay, we'll come back. Gosh. (laughs) Wow. Like I said, every day is different. You just know what's going to come up. I'll bet. Gosh, well, you you certainly have a great attitude, MJ. I I applaud you. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we take off? Well, I just appreciate the opportunity to talk with you, and hopefully other folks will see the value in investing in the seniors in our country because I do feel so many of them are ignored or abandoned. Mm-hmm. or left on their own, and they're they're just as important a resource as anybody else. They have value. Even though they may have old people's clothes on and wrinkles in their skin, 
they're human beings inside, and they have eternal value. And there's nothing better than investing in people. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, MJ Campbell, thanks so much for participating in the show. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and I I wish you well. I really wish you well and your parents, and have a great holiday season. You too. Merry Christmas. Same to you, MJ. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. I'd love to know what you thought about today's show. You can email me at Jana at AgeWise.com. That's J-A-N-A at A-G-E-W-Y-Z or Z, as my Canadian mother says. You can also find me online at AgeWise.com, and you can subscribe to the podcast and download any episodes for free on iTunes. You can also listen to the podcast on Stitcher. I'm Jana Panaritis. See you next time. Until then, age well, age wise. <laughs>